Welcome to this edition of Doctors in the House. The Columbus Medical Association is thrilled to have two CMA members who are members of the Ohio General Assembly. And in this series, we will talk about what their experiences are as physician legislators, as well as the policy issues of the day. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Anita Samani. Dr. Samani represents the 11th House District. Dr. Samani is an OBGYN at Ohio Health. Dr. Samani, thank you for your time today. We're about a month before uh, the November election as we're recording this, uh, and we'll get to the election issues maybe uh, towards the end of, of our discussion. But I uh, know the legislature is back uh, in session for some limited floor sessions and some committee hearings. Um, and I wonder if there are any particular pieces of legislation that are on your radar uh, that you'd like to draw attention to today. So, yeah, I think before we talk about legislation, we should really talk about an article that um, addressed some of the things that we at the State House should be addressing better. Uh, the Washington Post article that compared three very similar counties. I think basically the, the name and the, the title of the article was How Red State Politics Are Shaving Years Off American Lives. And they separated out sort of the biggest causes, which we're seeing, you know, like when you think about mental health and suicide and things like that, they took those out. And what they found was it was mostly about chronic disease, you know, that um, our laws in Ohio are a little bit more lax when it comes to things like tobacco taxes. We haven't been able to raise taxes on tobacco because there's such a you know, big lobbying effort to prevent that. Um, I think about some of the laws that, again, don't pertain to chronic disease, but certainly impact, you know, suicide and homicide rates that we in Ohio have been lax, you know, very, very much relaxing laws against um, gun safety and gun regulation. Um, I think those are some areas that we have room for improvement. Um, Fortunately, you know, Kasich years ago did expand Medicaid, although the um, state house at the time, I believe, was against it. Um, but I do think that you look at things like dental care, you look at things like access to preventative care, and those things do impact health. You know, Ohio, um, Ohioans are having shorter life expectancies and having sort of a, a really increase in chronic conditions that we all see, you know. I've been practicing here in Ohio for 31 years. And at first I thought, why did we see so many high-risk pregnancies? But you know, it comes down to challenges with what we call social determinants of health, you know, access to healthy food, where people live, you know, pollution, water safety, I and mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. So I think that I going forward, as far as like being down here at the state house, I think we have to look at legislation to improve public health. Um, House Bill 174 is one that could do that. They're looking at a single payer health plan just to ensure Ohioans that you could get through the state. Um, House Bill 99 is interesting. You know, a lot of times people go to the emergency room. They think they have an emergency, but then ultimately it's determined not to be an emergency. And oftentimes the insurers will deny the payment for that care. And I think this bill would prohibit insurers for denying ER care after the fact. Um, 
you know, I think the lay person, the average person doesn't know the difference between a heart attack and gastric reflux. You know, they may not recognize that they're having acid reflux. They may think they're having a heart attack. And to deny payment after the fact isn't fair when the average person is not a doctor that goes to the emergency room. So I think that's a that's a good bill. Like I'd like to see that pass the single payer health plan. Um, there's a lot of detail in that bill in terms of how it would be managed, how um, the state would be divided into regions, and in terms of where the payments and stuff would come from and the access to care. So I think that's critical. Um, I think, and this is something I think we'll hopefully see after November is maybe um, legislation to improve access to reproductive care. You know, a lot of our funds have been going to pregnancy crisis centers, which don't provide care. Um, pregnancy crisis centers are basically designed to talk women out of um, having an abortion and talk them into carrying a pregnancy. And we need to regulate those a little bit more. We need to maybe look at getting rid of transfer agreements. Um, abortion clinics are required to have transfer agreements to a hospital, but abortion is safer than pregnancy. So I think that would be unnecessary legislation if we get the, if issue one passes and we have a um, constitutional amendment to abortion. Um, so. I, there's a lot. I think there's a lot you can do in the public health space and public policy space. But where do you begin? Thank you for bringing up the the newspaper article that referenced the study that, as I understand it, tried to control for population uh, demographics um, and uh, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, and New York in comparable mm -hmm. counties. And I believe that um, the professor at Ohio University has got a, a podcast with some of the folks behind that, and we'll look to post that link with this, uh, yeah. with with this uh, blog posting, so that uh, anybody who's interested in more information on what you were referring to can can go to that. Yeah, uh, Prognosis Ohio, Dan Skinner for anybody who's affiliated with OU College of Medicine, he teaches at the Dublin um, campus. And he's been doing a podcast for a couple of years now. I spoke, I've spoken on it once. Um, he's got another one coming up with um, Amy Acton, who you remember was the health director. I think they're going to be talking a little bit about public health policy also. Again, in reference to red state politics, you know, Ohio initially did really well with COVID, but as time went on, um, there have been studies that have come out showing that COVID deaths from COVID were much higher um, in Republicans and red states versus Democrats because of vaccination rates as time went on. And that's another public health issue I think that we're gonna need to be addressing is um, there are some bills that, you know, the anti-vaccine um, folks are trying to push about freedom, what is it? Medical Freedom Act or something like that. I, that I you believe don't... that's the language it's used. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we know if we live in public in a community, we need to be cognizant of caring for the community, not just about our own selfish wishes. And that's where vaccinations come in. 
So you've uh, you've raised some big picture public health issues, <laughs> and we'll see uh, uh, maybe after yeah. uh, the next phase of the General Assembly whether there's an appetite for for those issues or not. I, I would want to leave today without touching briefly. Um, there's been a lot of attention to uh, redistricting uh, in Ohio. Um, there was mm -hmm. an agreement by the commission. There's now been a court case that's filed challenging. Uh, these new lines, um, and I don't know that, uh, do you have any clarity uh, what it means for you personally or what you, Crystal Ball, shows for the General Assembly yeah. in 2024? Um, yeah, so if you all recall, I mean, it's amazing. So much happens in such a short time that it's easy to forget, but these districts were challenged seven times, I believe, in court. Um, some of them were at the Supreme Court level, some were at the federal court level, and finally, with the clock ticking, they kind of threw their hands up and just took the last set of maps, and which is how I ended up running for office. But um, the maps that were accepted by the commission unanimously with the intent that we would end up having a constitutional amendment because there's a group right now, Citizens Not Politicians, that's being um, led by former Supreme Court Justice uh, Maureen O'Connor um, to take it out of the hands of politicians. I mean, there's just so much, you know, gerrymandering and corruption that goes into drawing these maps. And you know, gerrymandering happens on both sides. I mean, you, there are blue states that gerrymander as effectively as red states do. But here in Ohio, I mean, the last since 2010, it's been. Part of the reason we've seen a supermajority, you know, when you think about 99 seats in the House and 66 of them, I believe, are controlled by Republicans, that's not reflective of Ohio politics, where it's about 56, 43, I believe, is the percentage breakdown for Democrats and Republicans. Um, so my crystal ball, I don't have one. I think part of the reason the Democrats went along with the maps that they had in place to say yes, because now those those maps will be in place for eight years, was that they they felt that it was a pretty strong possibility. We had already voted on a constitutional amendment once back in, I believe, 2015, and it was ignored. And the feeling is that, you know, we'll get it around. And then um, if it passes, then the new maps would be used in 2026. So um, my district and Rep Liston's districts are flipping if these maps hold true. I will go to a more democratic district. Hers will be um, what, what my previous district was and it'll be about a 50-50 split. Whereas I will be now representing um, Worthington, I believe like the old Henderson B12, maybe North Clintonville area, I'm not exactly sure. Um, as as you mentioned, you know, before I started, the maps are in flux, the districts are in flux, so we'll see. Well, much more to come on that. There'll be a Supreme Court ruling at a minimum, and uh, we'll see how it plays out, and we'll have a chance to revisit uh, what implications there might be for you and for Representative Liston and uh, and others as, as that goes forward. Um, I think the last thing from my standpoint to touch on, uh, early voting started today for mm -hmm. the election uh, in November, um, and uh, the CMA has been communicating uh, to folks about how to cast ballots 
uh, for either in-person or mail-in early voting if people choose to do that. Um, this will be yeah, our probably last time to have a conversation before the election. So I didn't know if there mm -hmm. were any final comments you had uh, as we head yes. into November. No matter what part of Columbus or Franklin County or Delaware County you live in, there are people on the school board ballots that are being sponsored by Moms for Liberty. It is considered a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center and by ACLU. Moms for Liberty is the group that's behind a lot of the book bans. And as we know, as scientists, as people who are highly educated, banning books doesn't help open up your mind to critical thinking. It doesn't help from a standpoint of um, gaining knowledge and empathy and understanding, you know, a variety of viewpoints. So know your candidates, look to see who um, or what they're saying, because oftentimes it's couched in words like, we want parents to have consent and to be able to determine what our children read, or we want our kids to be safe in schools from, you know, um, difficult topics or whatever. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I, my, I represent districts in Hilliard and Dublin and both those districts have candidates that are um, being supported and are um, aligned with or signing the pledges to support the, the Moms for Liberty. So again, local races matter. And I think oftentimes we go into the um, election into the voting booth without really having an understanding of who the candidates are. So just be aware of that. It's not just vote Democrat or vote Republican. Know, know what they stand for. Thanks for your perspectives on that. Yeah. And thank you for your time today. No worries. Thanks. Doctors in the House is a podcast produced by the Columbus Medical Association. You can stay up to date on our advocacy efforts at columbusmedicalassociation.org slash advocacy.